NC Studios, God's Production Company. Praise the Lord, everybody. God bless you on this Sunday morning, the 30th of July. We're just excited about what God has been doing in the body of Christ. We thank the Lord for each and every one of you that's joined us via technology and for definitely those that are in the studio. We thank the Lord for, uh, again, each of you. We're excited today because yesterday we had the opportunity to spend some time with um, uh, our, our sister church in Ironton, Ohio, New Jerusalem Christian Center, where the pastor is uh, Bishop Isaac Glover. And while fellowshipping with you know fellow believers is not strange in the body of Christ, it was a great time to be there because we were celebrating the burning of their mortgage. God blessed them to be able to pay off the mortgage. And I'm not talking about, you know, a mortgage that was twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars. I'm talking about a very significant mortgage that the Lord had allowed them um, through the faithfulness of their people, of the people that God has assigned to that place to come together to pull their resources and uh, to uh, pay that mortgage off and I'm excited for them and, and had the opportunity to celebrate with them yesterday was beautiful uh, just the joy and the jubilee and in the coming together of many churches in that region uh, to celebrate that thing and I think that once we learn as a people to get just as excited and have a spirit of celebration for others that God is blessing. Um, you know, I think that that is part of the key to uh, receiving your own blessings from the Lord. But when we sit back and, and we're angry because God has blessed somebody else and, and, and we're in need of a blessing or, um, you know, it seems like everything that we're going through is falling apart while everything our brother or sister is going through is just touched by God. It's got that Midas touch, so to speak, and you get frustrated. I believe that you do yourself a disservice. We have to, as a people, begin to celebrate one another, love on one another, and be just as excited for them when God opens a door of blessing or opportunity uh, for them, we should be just as excited as if that was for us. And I, I'm excited for them, and I salute them for this uh, great accomplishment. I've often said that we don't own anything. The banks own it. But in this case, the bank no longer owns it. They own it. It is theirs, and I'm excited because I know that God is not a respecter of persons, and what he will do for one child, he will do for another. So again, I salute them, and, I, and again, I praise God, and I give glory to God. We had another event that was going on uh, here um, yesterday that I also want to celebrate, and that is the book signing for uh, LaRonda Davis, and I'm excited that God has blessed her to be able to release a book. Um, I've had, uh, you know, conversations with her in reference to the book, and, uh, you know, we've read that book, and uh, we're excited about it. Uh, my only sadness is that 
uh, two events were happening at the same time. And so we weren't able to be at the book signing yesterday, but um, we were there in spirit. And, and we thank the Lord for her and what God is doing. And um, I've spoken into her life, you know, the more, the next that is to come. And uh, how God is using her and the varying gifts of ministry that are in her life. She's not just a singer, but she's a singer a playwright, an author. She's a creative genius. And I thank God for her. And um, I'm asking the blessings of the Lord upon her. And again, I'm, I encourage you to search her up. Um, I believe it's on uh, Amazon and you can uh, search it by La Michelle. Um, it's on, on Facebook as well. So I encourage you to please um, support her in her endeavor. And all the things that you see your brothers and sisters in Christ doing, let us celebrate them, embrace them, support them. Um, you know, I, I believe that the resource to bless one another is already within the community of the body of Christ. So I encourage you uh, to do that. And again, we thank the Lord for her, uh, LaRonda Davis, such a beautiful um, gift of the spirit of God that is upon her. I just want to talk to you briefly today because you know, we're coming into this time of celebration and there was something that you know, I had heard, uh, you know, it's, it's no secret that uh, Ironton holds a special dear place in my heart and, and that their praise team um, holds a, a dear uh, place in my heart and they sang this song um, that stuck with me and it actually became part of our sermon title today. God shifted me this morning and we made some adjustments. Um, but uh, our sermon title for today, something if you want to take a note down to kind of bring back to your memory this sermon, is celebrate your tribulation. It is a sign you're next in line to be blessed. And I, I just want to thank uh, uh, Elder Duke Adams and, and the praise team of NJCC for sowing that seed into my spirit. We have to, as a people of God, stop being frustrated. Frustration is born out of a sense of hopelessness or a sense of, I don't know what's going to happen. But when you get to a place where when you're in tribulation, you can still celebrate and give God glory and praise his name. You're understanding that your tribulation is nothing but an opportunity for God to release blessings and increase and overflow in your life. When tribulation comes, we have to learn to celebrate our tribulation because it's just a sign. You're next in line to be blessed. We're going to put on the screen the foundational scripture for today. It's going to be found in the book of James, the first chapter, uh, the first through the 12th verse. And we'll put it up there for you to read uh, as I'm reading it to you. And the word of the Lord declares, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy. That's another, that's code word for make it a celebration. Count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. 
If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it, but it wherewith the grass and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth, so shall also the rich man fade away in his ways. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Oh, what a mighty word from the Lord today. Now, uh, you know, one of the things that I do, I like military movies. I like, you know, watching uh, military uh, style movies, especially the ones that focus on uh, training camp. And it, it's no lie that uh, the training today is not as necessarily um, difficult. Not that it's not difficult, but it's not as difficult today as it was when I went through uh, the two main trainings that I was a part of, um, which is both the the Army uh, basic training and um, MP school and uh, the police academy. Now, most everybody has heard of, of SEAL training and, and, and Marine Corps training, um, you know, what you get at, at uh, two different locations in the United States, one on the West Coast, one on the East Coast, special forces training, SWAT training, and, and these types of specialty trainings, and, and the list goes on. But one thing that is common in most of these trainings, and, and my son would probably argue with me that his training was more difficult than mine, but that's a story for another day. You know, he's a Marine and, and I'm a soldier, and it's, sometimes I have to educate him on what the difference is, but we'll, we'll get back to that another day. One thing that's common in most of these training regiments is a time that is given to you uh, that involves a severe level of testing, a severe level of testing. It's not just the normal, um, as you see in the movies, you get off the bus and, you know, some drill sergeant is yelling in your face or, you, you know, you get to these different uh, uh, schools uh, that are going to really hone you into something uh, very specific. Um, and, and, you know, they're kind of yelling and screaming at you and making you do push-ups and all that kind of stuff. But there is a severe time of testing in the middle of already what seems to be tremendously difficult. Uh, a time in your life that uh, many of us, we look back on and laugh, but most of us would dare say we'd want to do it again. Most of us won't say we want to go there again. We're glad we made it through and it's behind us and now we're ready to press forward because we understand the, the, uh, the amount of weight that it applied to you. And there's a level uh, uh, of testing that is also severe for the people of God. Now, most people who endure uh, these types of training uh, courses will refer to this severe time of testing as hell week or uh, a period of hell uh, during their already difficult training 
training period. And as many of you know, I'm, I'm employed by the Columbus Police Department and I hold the rank of sergeant now. And uh, we're going on 29 years when uh, ago that I went through our then 26-week training academy. And we also, in that training academy, enjoyed a week that we refer to as Hell Week. It was a time of extreme testing of not just our physical, but our physical, our mental, and our relational abilities. We were pushed to the very edge of our abilities, and we had to work uh, sometimes as individuals and other times as a team through the various amount of tests that were being thrown at us. And by the end of the training, if you made it through, because many people don't make it through, many people quit, they give up, or they fall by the wayside. But when you make it through, you can be proud of becoming part of this new family and being able to identify yourself with a very select group of people. Now, as I look at that and I think about that history in my life and in, in the lives of, uh, of people like my son that I hold dear and we can share this experience with each other and, and we understand something that most people will never really be able to understand. We can see you know, this time of severe testing and, and the ability to make it through that and the, 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 the sense of uh, pride. And I, I know that when you say pride, everyone goes, oh, pride, that's a bad thing. And, and that's not necessarily true and that's not necessarily what the scripture uh, says. But again, that's a story for another day. But when we look at the first words in the text that we read in, in the letter that James wrote, James reminds us that we should not be surprised when we experience intense periods of testing. I know that some people want you to believe that when you come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ that somehow, some way, all of a sudden your whole life is going to be blessed and there's nothing going to be uh, in your life but just sunshine and rainbows and uh, roses and you know beautiful flowers and birds singing uh, you know to wake you up in the morning and just everything's going to be glorious. Well that's a lie because that's not what's going to happen. In fact Typically what happens is you become a target of the enemy and then because you're a target, you're constantly under attack. And James knows that we face a spiritual conflict that will require a toughness that's learned only through proper instruction and monitored experience. Now, I want you to understand something um, and anyone that's been through any level of training can, can relate to this. And it's actually one of the things that um, frustrates uh, in, in just in, the, in the, the training that some police departments are going through now. They're kind of pulling back from physical uh, contact and, and, you know, because pe you know, people that were going through the training were getting hurt. So, you know, of course, the first thing they're worried about is, you know, uh, finances and having to cover, you know, that type of thing. And then, you know, people being hurt and things of that nature. And so they pull back from this sense of all physical contact and those of us that have been through that recognize not only the need for it but the valuable experience you gain from it you see some people this may shock you that go through this training have never been hit before but there is a strong likelihood that especially in the field of work that I am in you just might get hit one day and you have to understand and know not only what it's like to get hit, 
but how you can respond, recover, and, and, and uh, move through that level uh, of attack. And too often, we're finding that people, they don't understand what it is to be hit with something. And they don't know how to respond to it because they haven't had that experience. I'd rather have that experience in what we would call a controlled environment than one that's not controlled where anything can happen, even the loss of my own life. I have to know how to respond to that level of attack, that level of stress that's applied to me. I have to recognize the tools that I have to respond to that. And if I don't know how to do that, I may not figure it out when it happens in, the, in a real world situation. And I think that James knows that we face spiritual conflict that are, that's going to require this level of toughness that it can only be learned through proper instruction and, and monitored experience. Now, James calls uh, God's training regiment. Uh, he, he refers to it in, in verse uh, 2 as various kinds of trials. And as James prepares us for the inevitable test that will come to every believer, he outlines for us five strategies to put into action when times of testing invade our reality. And if testing hasn't come into your reality, Hold on to your britches because testing will come to every believer. And I want you to be prepared for when testing comes. And I want you to be in such a place of preparedness that you will even celebrate the reason behind your trials. And when James addresses uh, his letter to the 12 tribes, he's employing uh, a common designation of the Jewish uh, nation, Acts 26 and 7, when he speaks of them as scattered abroad. Now, the word that he chooses is diaspora, and, and it's a technical term employed after the Babylonian captivity uh, for the Jews who lived outside of Palestine among the Gentiles. Now, the diaspora began in 722 BC when the Assyrians captured the 10 tribes of the northern kingdom. You can read about that in 2 Kings, the 17th chapter in the 6th verse. And when Nebuchadnezzar carried away the southern kingdom to Babylon, remember there was a split of the kingdom, the north and the south, 10 to the north and 2 to the south. Uh, when Nebuchadnezzar carried away the southern kingdom to Babylon in 586 BC, again you can read about that in 2 Kings 25 and 11 and, and I encourage you I give you this information so you can check me and, and know that what I'm telling you is true but you know this process uh, continued so the, the in the early days of the church as, as great waves of persecution would sweep over Jerusalem the dispersion persisted Acts 11 and 19 says, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen travailed, or traveled rather, as far as Phoenix and Cyprus and Antioch 
preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. Peter wrote in his first letter to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Uh, and you can read about that in 1 Peter 1 and 1. Now, in some of the major cities of the world, such as Alexandria, uh, large populations of uh, expatriated Jews were persecuted by their own countrymen, abused by Gentiles, and in many places had less standing than even the standing slaves would hold. Now, this is the context uh, of the trials that are being mentioned in this first section of the book of James. This is kind of the outline or the foundation upon which James is building uh, this picture. And, and James pictures these disenfranchised Israelites as falling into trials. And it's a description that is similar to the way Paul portrayed his Roman imprisonment when he referred to it in Philippians 1 and 12. But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happen unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. So the phrase falling into might be better translated as encountering. So it's the same term that's used in the story of the Good Samaritan, uh, you know, uh, the man who fell among thieves in Luke 10 and 30. And by the use of this specific word, it's obvious that he's suffering, uh, that these suffering believers were not overtaken by some sinful activity or some sinful temptation lest that what you know that's what we try to point that scripture to that the uh, temptation is always something that is sinful but that's not what uh, James is referring to but rather they were being exploited and slandered and litigated by the rich God was allowing these very experiences to occur to strengthen and mature their faith let me tell you something Gaining maturity in the body of Christ is an easy thing to accomplish, but it can be a very painful thing to accomplish. And I, I, it's just like growing up. Growing up, anyone that's in the process of growing up now will tell you that growing up is painful. Anyone that remembers growing up will tell you that growing up sometimes was painful. It was, it was filled with all kinds of things for which we like to uh, have never had to experience. And for the Jews, the trials were uh, packaged as persecution. For us today, they could be any number of things. The loss of a job, a, a divorce, a trouble with our children, financial strain, illness, death in our family, relational problems over which we have little or no control, uh, mental instability, the current climate right now that many in the body of Christ are dealing with related to their children is this sense of gender dysphoria, this idea of now I don't know who or what I am. And one writer, a professor emeritus, uh, Homer A. Kent, who was the dean at the Grace Theological Seminary in the early uh, to mid-1900s, observed that this emphasis by James stands in stark contrast to much more modern Christian thinking. And he says this, 
A matter worth pondering is the fact that the very first topic James discussed involved the difficulties encountered in the Christian life. Totally foreign to him was the curious modern notion that becoming a Christian will somehow make life easier, that all problems will disappear, and that the prospect in this life for each believer is that he will live happily ever after. Now, it would be easy for us to reason that if we are not experiencing any difficulty in our lives in the present moment, that this teaching on trials is not applicable to you or to us because we're going through a season where there is no uh, apparent tribulation that we're dealing with. But James does not say if you encounter trials. He says when you encounter trials. So it's important to understand that when you're reading the word of God and you're analyzing each and every word that is being used, that you recognize that in this particular case, he's saying to you that if you have not experienced it, hold on because you will experience it. It is something for which every believer will deal with at some point in time in their Christian journey and when these inevitable trials come into your life our first strategy according to James is to consider it all joy that's right we are supposed to celebrate when it comes now I tell you to celebrate it because I know that when it comes it becomes the opportunity for God to work glorious things in your life and while sometimes all we can be focused on is the tribulation itself when you learn to take your eyes off of your problem and put them on the solver and the solution the sustainer of everything in your life your whole life itself is held together by God and God alone and when you keep your eyes focused on Jesus and Jesus alone I'm here to tell you that it won't matter what comes into your life it's just like the rock says what's your name and you start to try to tell him what your name is and he says it doesn't matter what your name is you have to understand we need to get to a place in God where we just when the tribulation comes and, and it's trying to identify itself we get to a place where we say it doesn't matter what tribulation you are because my eyes are fixed on Jesus so I count this all joy because I know God is going to work marvelous things in my life somebody ought to give God some praise hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm going to give you just a moment to just pull over in your car if you're listening to me. Just take a praise break for a minute. Hallelujah. Now, sometimes you have this attitude or you hear people like me say, count it all joy. Now, understand, I, I didn't come up with this. I'm, I'm not wise enough to come up with this. This is what God you know, tells us. This is the word of the Lord, count it all joy. And, and you think, as my good brother and, and, and very close friend, uh, Bill Page, would say, what in the ham sandwich is James talking about? What in the world is James thinking? It first sounds to those that are in trouble that James has somehow gone cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Now, there's a book where... Uh, that's titled where is God when it hurts it's a, it's a good book I encourage you find it and read it 
And the writer of this, of this book, his name is Philip Yancey, and he writes a, a, a lot of very good Christian uh, uh, writing. But he tells, uh, talks about Claudia, a, a beautiful newlywed who discovered that she had Hodgkin's disease. And one of her greatest challenges in coping with her trial was uh, presented by her host of well-meaning friends who came to the hospital to see her. Now, one woman who uh, Claudia described as the most spiritual woman in her church came often to read aloud from the, the books of the Bible, praising God. And her, her speeches to Claudia routinely sounded something like this. Claudia, you need to come to the place where you can say, God, I love you for making me suffer like this. It is your will. You know the best for me, and I, I just praise you for loving me enough to allow me to experience this. In all things, including this, I give you thanks. This was the, 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 the basic foundation upon which this woman would minister to Claudia. And Claudia said in the book, as she would ponder these words, her mind would be filled with gruesome visions of God. She imagined that God was a figure in the shape of a troll, big as a universe, who delighted in squeezing helpless humans between his fingernails, pulverizing them with his fists, dashing them against sharp stones. The figure would keep torturing these humans until they would cry out, God, I love you for doing this to me. Oh, you're amazing! for pounding on me like this. Now, this whole idea repulsed her. And Claudia knew that she could never worship or love a God that would do something like that. And this isn't strange because there are many in the body of Christ today who while they may not liken God to a troll, they liken God to something evil rather than something good because he would dare allow them or cause them. In most cases, people will, will blame God for what they're going through. But when James tells us to consider it all joy when we fall into various kinds of trials, he's not counseling us like Claudius' friend tried to counsel her in, in, in the book that Yancey wrote. To consider it all joy in the midst of our trials is to respond. Now watch this, and you, got to, you, you really have to catch a hold of this because this has to become the foundation upon which you, this is your springboard. Count it all joy in the midst of our trials is our directed and purposeful response with a deliberate, intelligent appraisal of our situation. Let me say this again. Your response to your tribulation ought to be a deliberate, intelligent appraisal of your situation. You're taking into yourself and analyzing with spiritual intelligence and, formula, and formulating an idea of what it is, not just that you're going through, but who it is that is going through it with you. There's a Navy captain by the name of 
Larry Bailey, the, the commanding officer of the Coronado School for the Training of SEALs, uh, and he made this statement once, completing Hell Week is 90% mental. 90% mental. The men don't believe it at first, but in actuality, the completion of Hell Week, the most grueling week in SEAL training, is 90% mental. And this is the same thing that recruit training uh, uh, officer Joe Smith told my class when I went through the police academy. Just before going into uh, the boxing ring, Officer Smith would, you know, he would say, he would get into the corner and he, he would kind of say to us, get, getting punched in the face is only 10% of the fight. And the other 90% is how we perceive the punch and then how we respond to it. Getting hit, while many would look at that as 90% and our response 10%, we were taught that getting hit was only a very small portion of what is going on and the greater portion was how we perceived what just happened and then how we responded to the perception we had of what just took place. And this, the same thing, you know, is true for Christians going through trials. 90% of your success is mental and spiritual. Let me say that again for you, because some of you are struggling right now. You're, you're scratching your head. You're trying to figure out what in the world is Bishop talking about. 90% of what you are dealing with. 90% of your success in what you're struggling with is mental and spiritual. And you have to learn to look at the experience from God's perspective. This is why I tell people all the time, stop looking at things the way you want to see them and see them the way God sees them. You have to look at life in the experience from God's perspective and recognize that the trial, not as a happy experience in and of itself, but as the means of producing something very valuable in your life. Oh, I'm not going to be able to give you all of this today. I, I hope I can get through all five points, but I, it ain't looking good right now. I, I'm really feeling the preacher coming on. As Bishop Crozier got up last night to give words, he, he said he felt the preacher. Uh, I, I, I feel what he feels. I feel the preacher in me coming on, but I, I wonder, I'm trying to impart something into your spirit that you would learn and understand and be able to receive. There's a writer by the name of Spiros Zad. I'm probably butchering that name, but it's something like that. And it explains that the word considered should be translated, think forward. So as you live in your present situation, you ought to consider your future. Thinking forward to the future. Gloom now, but glory in days to come. You ought to say, gloom now. Yes, I recognize, I perceive that I'm in a place of tribulation right now. Hey, but what I'm looking at is not today. I'm fixed 
on Jesus who holds my tomorrow and I know that while in this day it may seem like I've lost but I recognize that in God I cannot but only win because he's made me more than a conqueror he's made me an overcomer and when I stand in him oh I feel that preacher trying to come out of me when I stand in him I know I can't help but to win so I look not at my trouble but I look into my solution and I know that the glory of the Lord is going to be revealed in me the glory of God is going to burst forth out of my life and my trouble will seem but a faint memory Jesus himself taught this kind of joy when he delivered his sermon on the mount. Matthew 5, 10 through 12 says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Paul himself experienced this strange joy when he wrote, I am exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation. 2 Corinthians, the 7th chapter and the 4th verse. And when the apostles were beaten because of their bold testimony for Christ, they went out rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Acts 5 and 41. Peter also believed that this unique joy was possible in his first letter when he wrote in 1 Peter 1, 6-7, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptation, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perisheth, for uh, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ now that writer that I told you about Philip Yancey he kind of helps us to understand this often misunderstood concept he says by those words rejoice and be glad the apostles did not intend a grin and bear it or act tough like nothing is happening attitude and that's a wonderful uh, explanation of what uh, they're not saying and he goes on to say that, you know, if you trace, uh, you know, those attitudes, uh, they can be found in Christ's response to suffering or in Paul's, nor is there any um, a hint of enjoying pain. Rejoicing in suffering does not mean Christians should act happy about tragedy and pain when they feel like crying. Th this kind of view distorts honesty and true expression of our emotion. But Christianity is not a phony thing it's not fake the bible spots a uh, spotlight uh, is on the end result in other words the believer doesn't fixate on where i am he fixates it or he fixates or she fixates on where we're going to be and, and we use god and, and, and understand that uh making this level of suffering in our life or allowing this level of suffering in our life allows us to enjoy glory that is right before us before he can produce 
that result, he first needs our commitment that we will trust in him in the middle of the process and give him that level of surrender. And we do that and it's described as a sense of rejoicing. So there's a doctor a theologian by the name of R.A. Torrey and he was one of the great Bible teachers of uh, of past generations and the founder of the Bible Institute of Los Angeles Biola uh, University and he and Mrs. Torrey went through a time of great heartache when their 12 year old daughter was accidentally killed their funeral was held on a miserably rainy day And they stood around the grave and watched as the body of their little girl was put away. And as they turned away, Mrs. Tory says this, I'm so glad that Elizabeth is with the Lord and not in that box. But even knowing that to be true, their hearts were still broken. Dr. Tory said that the next day as he was walking down the street, the whole thing broke anew. The loneliness, the years ahead without the presence of their sweet daughter, the heartbreak of an empty house, the quietness and the stillness uh, that was there, and all other implications uh, that pointed to her death. As he reflected back on that moment, he wrote this. And just then, this fountain, the Holy Spirit I had in my heart, broke forth with such power as I think I had never experienced before and it was the most joyful moment I had ever known in my life oh how wonderful is the joy of the Holy Ghost it is an unspeakable glorious thing to have your joy not in things about you not even in your most dearly loved friends and family but to have within you a fountain ever springing up 365 days in every year springing up under all circumstances unto everlasting life What an amazing analysis of dealing with tribulation. I've only been able to give you point one. I don't have enough time today to pour into you the other four points. So I encourage you, come back. Join with us next Sunday. Because next Sunday, I'm going to start to teach you how you can calculate the result of your tribulation how you can actually look at your current tribulation and recognize what the result of that tribulation is going to be I'm here to tell you right now that this ministry has been going through a season of tribulation but I'm not fixated on the trouble that we've seen I'm fixated on where we are going to go I got a word the other day from uh, a believer who I know hears from God. And they called me on the phone and they said, hey, do you have a minute? And I said, sure, I've got a minute. And I was at work, but I, 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 I wanted to hear what they had to say. And they said, all I have to tell you is that God told me to call you. And they told me to call you earlier in the morning. But I, I, I kind of put it off because I thought maybe I was crazy. And they ended up calling me that evening because they said the Lord kept pressing upon them to reach out to me. And the, the Lord said, through them to me, start to look for your building. 
Now, there are people that think that this ministry died. But God told me that he was showing me something about this ministry in the middle of our tribulation. And that if I would keep my eyes focused on him, he would restore me to something greater than what I first had. So I took the Lord up on his word. And he said, start looking for your building. So that's exactly what I've been doing. And I've been looking for a building. I have no idea how it's going to be paid for. But then last night, oh, hallelujah. Last night, God showed me that if you keep yourself fixated and faithful to him, he will be the system that provides everything that you need. So I talked to the Lord. I said, Lord, I've seen a couple. I've seen a couple that I really like. And they're, 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 they're seemingly out of my ability to get. But I know that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And they that dwell therein. And I don't know how. I don't know who. But I know the Lord is going to work it out. And we will return to a building. And only then. Will people be able to say, God did this. God did it. God is showing this ministry that if you won't do it, he will do it. Because this is something he established. This is something he birthed. This is his work. And I thank God by faith now standing before you receiving exactly what God has declared and I know our day of returning to a building is coming and, and even though we will still be able to reach the masses God has blessed this ministry and we've actually preached to more people across the globe than we did when we had a building God is blessing this work even now and I'm thankful to the Lord. And I know that we're going to have a place to gather again that's outside of the studio. Well, I thank the Lord for the tribulation that we're in. I thank him not because we are in this situation, but because I see in tomorrow the great things that he has for us. So I celebrate today because I know and I receive by faith that I'm up next for a blessing. That I'm going to receive a blessing. God has called my name and I'm going to receive what he has. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Here I am, Lord. Speak through me. Here I am, Lord. Use me. Hallelujah. I thank God for you and I, I, I encourage you, keep your eyes fixated on Jesus even in the middle of your tribulation and come back next week so you can learn some of the uh, other, I don't even know if I'll get through all four points next week, but by the time we're done with this, you will have all four points or all five points total uh, in understanding. But recognize today, celebrate where you are. Because this is just a sign that you're next in line for a blessing. God bless you. May the Lord keep you in the center of his will. Have an awesome Sunday. This has been a production of the GMFC Studios. God bless you.